0: We have uh, two scripture passages tonight, and of course, um, I may reference a number of other ones um, as proof texts, but our main two scripture passages tonight are, uh, in the Old Testament, Psalm 19, can be found in your pre-Bibles on page 858, and in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. And that can be found in your pew Bible on page 1855. Starting the reading with Psalm 19. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, enlighten us that by your word we may see how we know what we know and may cherish the way you have revealed yourself to us with something that is objective, something that cannot be taken away from us something that you have preserved for us, that we may know who you are, and that we may know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 19, for the director of music, a psalm of David. You know the reading of God's word. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant worn, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then will I be blameless. Innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's Psalm 19. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Paul's charge to Timothy. He writes and says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the reading of God's word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also going to be looking at Belgic Confession Articles 2, 3, 5 and 7 tonight. Now don't be too concerned by that long list. Um, Obviously we won't cover every single sentence or word in all those articles. But these are the articles that pertain to Holy Scripture. And so um, we will make points concerning them. So... Uh, following along, along with me, back in, the, green, back in the, green, the back of the green Psalter hymnal, page 70, I'm going to be reading uh, Article 2, 3, 5, and 7. Article 2, by what means God has made known unto us? We know him by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, which is before our eyes as a most elegant book wherein all creatures, great and small, are as so many characters leading us to see clearly the invisible things of God, even His everlasting power and divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. All which things are sufficient to convince men and leave them without excuse. Second, He makes Himself more clearly and fully known to us by His holy and divine word, that is to say, as far as is necessary for us to know in this life to His glory and our salvation." Now, Article 3, the written word of God. We confess that this word of God was not sent nor delivered by the will of man, but that men spake from God being moved by the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Peter says. And that afterwards, God, from a special care which He has for us in our salvation, commanded His servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit His revealed word to writing. And He Himself wrote with His own finger the two tables of the law. Therefore, we call such writings holy holy. ...and divine scriptures. Now, if you notice, I left out Article 4. But for your information, Article 4 is a listing of all the canonical books of the Holy Scripture. What we consider to be the Old Testament and New Testament books of the Bible. Beginning in Genesis and ending in Revelation. The only note I should make is that the Belgic Confession uh, attributes the book of Hebrews to Paul... And later uh, studies have shown that the truth is we really don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. And that's okay, because we do know God wrote it. Article 5. Whence the Holy Scriptures derive their dignity and authority? We receive all these books, and these only as holy and canonical, for the regulation, foundation, and confirmation of our faith, believing without any doubt all things contained in them, Not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but more especially because the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that they are from God, and also because they carry the evidence thereof in themselves, for the very blind are able to perceive that the things foretold in them are being fulfilled. Once again, I'll make note that obviously you can tell that I've left out Article 6 of the Belgian Confession of Faith. Article 6 is a very good article about the difference between canonical books and what the Catholic Church today has called the apocryphal books. If you've ever picked up a Catholic Bible, there are a number of historical books between the Old Testament and New Testament which are called the apocrypha. These apocryphal books were never seen as authoritative and inspired by the Jewish people nor were they seen as authoritative and inspired by the Catholic Church all the way up until the 15th century at the Council of Trent. But one thing that the Belgian Confession of Faith says about the apocryphal books, which we should take note of, is that all of which these apocryphal books the Church may read and take instruction from so far as they agree with the canonical books, But they are far from having such power and efficacy that we may from their testimony confirm any point of faith or of the Christian religion, much less may they be used to detract from the authority of the other, that is, the sacred books. So the Belgian Confession of Faith is saying you're free to read them, just like you would a John Piper book, just like you would an R.C. Sproul book, just like you would any number of Christian writers or Christian books that seek to encourage us in our faith. But the rule is that you are to compare whatever you read in those apocryphal books with Holy Scripture, for it alone is authoritative. And finally, ending with Article 7, the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures is to be the only rule of faith. We believe that those Holy Scriptures fully contain the will of God and that whosoever man ought to believe unto salvation is sufficiently taught therein. For since the whole manner of worship which God requires of us is written in them at large, it is unlawful for anyone, though an apostle, to teach otherwise, than we are now taught in the Holy Scriptures, nay, though it were an angel from heaven, as the Apostle Paul says. For since it is forbidden to add unto or take away anything from the word of God, it does thereby evidently appear that the doctrine thereof is the most perfect and complete in all respects. Neither may we consider any writings of men, however holy these men may have been, "...of equal value with those divine scriptures, nor ought we to consider custom or the great multitude or antiquity or secession of times of persons or councils, decrees or statutes as of equal value with the truth of God, since the truth is above all. For all men are of themselves liars and more vain than vanity itself. Therefore we reject with all our hearts whatsoever does not agree with this infallible rule as the apostles have taught us, saying, Prove the spirits, whether they are of God likewise." If anyone cometh unto you and bringeth not this teaching, receive him not into your house. I've read it from the Green Psalter Hymnals, but I'm going to be using a different translation because I think it will be easier for you to follow. majority of what it is is one and the same. The format given here in this book I have in front of me just makes it a little bit easier to point out to you the more important factors of those articles. So, The question I want to ask to all of you, and it's an important one. How do we know what we know? How do we know what we know? This is a a study called epistemology. How do we know what we know is important? Because... Um, I would say that Christians are the only people who can make a sound epistemological argument for knowing anything. Because we have revelation from a God who knows everything. And any other worldview outside of the Christian worldview empties itself on this point. Many people today would call themselves... um, Secular humanists, materialists, they only believe that the, the material world exists. And so if you ask them how do they know what they know, they will tell you, well, I know what I know because I test it, because I see it, because I uh, determine things to be true by comparing them to others, by testing their, their work and verifying it. And so what they're telling you is that they use... Their reasoning factors, they use their reasoning to determine their reasoning is valid. They reason to determine that they reason. This is what we call circular reasoning. So you ask them the question, how do you know your reasoning is valid? How do you know what you know? How do you know that what you're thinking is reality? You could be in the matrix. You could be a brain in a vat with a computer sending you images about where you're at, telling you you're in a blue room, but really you're in a room with yellow walls, not blue walls. You can't use your reasoning to determine your reasoning. That's what we call a vicious circular reasoning. But a similar argument can be given about Christians. So this is what I want to encourage you to do. When somebody comes up to you and asks you the question, how do you know what you know? Your answer, as good, faithful Christians should be, because that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Well, why do you think that that homosexuality is wrong? How is that hurting anybody? Well, because that's what the Bible says. Well, why do you think that only men and women should get married? Because that's what the Bible says. Well, why do you think that Jesus is the only way to salvation? Can't there be multiple? Well, that's what the Bible says. And if they tell you, well, how do you know... That to be true, well, because the Bible says so. And somebody could come to you and say, well, that's circular reasoning, isn't it? In fact, if you go to any logical fallacy website right now, they'll tell you an example of circular reasoning is this. A type of reasoning in which the proposition is supported by the premises which is supported by the proposition creating a circle and reasoning where no useful information is being sh- shared. X is true because of Y. Y is true because of X. Example. The Bible is the word of God because the Bible says it's the word of God. Because God tells us it is in the Bible. Explanation given here. This is a very serious circular argument on which many people base their entire lives. Obviously you can tell this person thinks this is ridiculous this is like getting an email from a Nigerian prince by the way don't open those offering to give you his billion dollar fortune but only after you wire him a goodwill offering of $50,000 of course you're skeptical until you read the final line in the email that reads I Prince Nubadola assure you that this is my message and it is legitimate you can trust this email and any others that come from me now you know it's legitimate Because it says it's legitimate in the email. This person is comparing a spam email to the word of God. What he doesn't understand is that all ultimate authorities... have to appeal to themselves. I want you to think about this. When God came to Abraham and he made him a promise, did God swear on his mother's grave or on the gold of the temple? What can God swear by that is greater than himself? God swore by himself. Because there's nothing or no one greater to swear by. And Christians appeal to the Bible to prove the Bible because it is the revelation of God given to us. It's our ultimate authority. So there is circular reasoning that can be fallacious, vicious. As in appealing to your reasoning to justify your reasoning. But... Saying the Bible is the Word of God because in the Bible God tells us it's the Word of God is not a vicious circle because it is our ultimate authority. And it comes from one who knows everything. And so tonight, what we're going to do is look at what the Scripture says and what the Belgic Confession says about the Holy Scriptures. So that we can have a firm foundation in knowing what we know. God has revealed himself in creation and his word. God has revealed himself in creation and his word. We have three points tonight. General and special revelation is the first point. Switch your markers. The authority of God's word is the second point, and the sufficiency of God's word is the third point. Okay? So let's look at general and special revelation. This is the term that we use to describe what the Article uh, Article 2 in the Belgian Confession is telling us. Article 2 in the Belgic Confession tells us that actually we have two books that God has given to us to reveal himself. And I've put it right here in our theme. We have nature... And we have his word. Now here's a loophole that many people take. And I want you to be aware of this because it's important. Many people will go to Belgian Confession, Article 2, and they'll say, Look, by creation, preservation, and government of the universe, which is before our eyes is the most elegant book, wherein all creatures, great and small, are so many characters leading us to see clearly the invisible things of God, even His everlasting power and divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And they will use general revelation, the revelation of God and creation, to justify things that are unbiblical because they'll say, even the Belgian Confession says this is like a, a book before our eyes, an elegant book before our eyes. And they'll say that what we see in creation has to line up with what we see in God's Word. So, if there's something in creation that doesn't line up with God's Word, then we have to make it line up with God's Word. Is that what Belgic Confession Article 2 is telling us? No, it's telling us what Paul says in Romans 1. And what we're told in Romans 1 is that the general revelation that we have in nature is sufficient for our condemnation. But it's not sufficient for our salvation. Psalm 19 has a great balance between these two things. Psalm 19 is a great declaration of what Romans 1 says. That the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the heavens. The first part of the psalm is basically a declaration of what Belgian Confession Article 2 is saying. The creation itself is before our eyes as a most elegant book. And it declares the glory of God. Have you ever gone outside when you're far enough away from the light pollution from Chicago and looked up at the sky and saw the numerous stars which have all been counted and named by God and asked yourself, how is it even possible that people live in this world and think that God doesn't exist? The reason people live in this world even when they look up at the sky and see the stars and don't believe in God, it's because they actually do believe in God. They know He is there, but they love their sin more. And that's what Romans 1 is saying. Romans 1 is saying, there's not a person in this world That is a true atheist. Atheists don't exist. Everybody knows God exists. He has revealed himself clearly in the things that are seen. Even his everlasting power and divinity. But they deny his existence because they suppress it in unrighteousness. And so, if nature is sufficient for condemnation. That means that everyone who lives in this world knows that God exists and they know that they deserve his judgment and his wrath because of their sin. And that's why God had to give us more than just general revelation because once we fell into sin, this general revelation was insufficient to bring us to a saving knowledge of God. Our eyes were covered. And so we needed a special revelation. We needed God to give us His word. That's why the Belgian Confession says, second, He makes Himself more clearly and fully known to us by His holy and divine word. That is to say, as far as is necessary for us to know in this life, to His glory and our salvation. The word is what brings us, used by the Holy Spirit, to a saving knowledge of God. And this is important, too, because you might have heard many people say, well, I just can't understand how people in an island that, that live out in the sea, and indigenous people who've never heard of Jesus, I can't understand that, that God would send them to hell. And, you know, a lot of people have come up with, with ways to, to grasp that. You know, they would say, well, we, we think that, as much as the, the knowledge that they're given, you know, that they don't need to know uh, about Jesus. God, God won't send them to hell. Well, here's something I want to tell you. Nobody is sent to hell because they didn't know about Jesus. They're sent to hell because of their sin. Against the God they know exists. And that's why we send missionaries, not wall-building teams. Because if it was really true that people were, were good, they were safe, as long as they didn't hear the name of Jesus and reject Him, then what we should be doing is building walls around those people instead of sending missionaries to them. But we send missionaries to them because unless they hear the good news of the gospel and turn and believe in Jesus Christ... There is no salvation for them. So this is general and special revelation. Psalm 19 says in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. But in verse 7 it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes, the precepts, the commands, these are all the same word. It means the revelation of God given to us in his word. The heavens declare the glory of God and the word of God declares the glory of God. Only one is sufficient to condemn us before a holy and righteous God. And only one is sufficient to bring us saving knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. But what about the authority? A special revelation. It's the second point. the authority of special revelation is particularly talked to us talked about to us in article 5 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 one of those verses that you have to make sure you know before you Get examined at classes or go before your seminary professors. It's important for a reason. And speaking to uh, Timothy, Paul says all scripture is uh, God breathed. It's where we get the word inspiration from. Even when you say inspiration, it sounds like, like, a breath, right? Like you're, or we can say, breathed out by God. And this uh, phrase talks about how we know the Word of God to be uh, authoritative, unlike any other book given to us, mankind. We receive all these books and these only as holy and canonical for the regulation and foundation confirmation of our faith. Believing without any doubt all things contained in them, none. Because the church said so. If you go out there today um, and you talk to people who don't believe in the authority of God's word, what they're going to tell you is that all that all the the, the, the the Bibles are are books picked out by some council who got together and said all these other writings weren't true and we are like we like these writings the best. And and, and so the the, the the authority of the scriptures derives from the church's choice of it. And that's not what the Belgian Confession of Faith is saying. We believe. These scriptures, they're authoritative. Not because the church said so. Not because a council got together and said, these are the 66 books that we choose. That's not why we believe these scriptures to be authoritative. Not because the church received them and approved them as such, but more especially, because the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts, that they are from God, and also because they carry the evidence thereof in themselves. Remember what I said. We believe the Bible to be the Word of God because in the Bible it says that it's the Word of God. I think it's important to note that here in this article, when it says the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts, But it's not saying the same thing that Mormons say. When they say, why don't you just go read the Book of Mormon and you'll feel that burning in your bosom. That's what they want you to have. They want you to have a spiritual experience, that burning in your bosom. Well, I believe it's the Word of God because I feel like it is. Like this is the true prophecy from Joseph Smith. Writing in the 18th century in King James English. I just feel that it is. That's not what the Belgic Confession is saying when the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that they are from God. Because it's saying that the Holy Spirit works together with the Scriptures themselves. So the Scriptures are what we like to say or what we call self-authenticating. You test the scriptures by the scriptures. They are self-authenticating, self-verifying. You don't need to find another book to compare the Bible to to verify that the Bible is true. The Bible declares its own truth. It's self-authenticating. And that makes sense because it comes from God. And God is self-authenticating. So when you want to prove the Bible, my encouragement to you is don't just say, well, you know, there's this prophecy in Isaiah 53 that says specifically that was written 700 years before Jesus came that um, all these things would happen to Jesus. And so if you look here at Isaiah 53 and read these words, you'll be shocked to know that this was written 700 years before the coming of Christ and all these things would happen to Christ. Can't you tell by this prophecy and how true it is that this is the word of God? Well, you know what people do when you say that? They say, well, you know, obviously Isaiah 53 wasn't written at that time. Because if somebody doesn't want to believe in the authority of God's Word, they will find every excuse to not believe in the authority of God's Word. And so I think that Belgic Confession, Article 5, gives a little bit too much credit when it says even the very blind are able to perceive that the things foretold in them are being fulfilled. It doesn't give enough credit to our fallen nature. And so when you come to someone and you say the authority of the special revelation it's breathed out by God. And you tell them that's not what the Bible says. Well how do you know the Bible is is true? How do you know the Bible is the word of God? Well because the Bible says so. Well they might laugh at you. But all you have to do is how do you know what you know? Well I use my senses, I use my reasoning. Well, how do you know your reasoning is valid? Well, I use my senses and my reasoning to determine my senses and reasoning are valid. And what you have then is not two people who are having completely different perspectives or worldviews. What you have someone doing is an improper, a fallacious circular reasoning and you have a valid circular reasoning. Because if they say, well, how do you know the word of God, to be true, you can say, well, because God has told me it's true in His word. I have revelation from a God who knows everything so that I can know certain things to be true. The scriptures do not receive their dignity and authority from us. We don't give the Bible its authority and its dignity. God does. And so, we don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible can defend itself. It's self authenticating, it's authoritative, and it's dignified because the God who Gave it to us, has preserved it for us, and given it to us for that reason. But what about the sufficiency? We see the Word of God as authoritative, we see the Word of God as. Um, the way that God has revealed, us, uh, revealed to us himself in a saving way, a salvific way. It's, uh, we, we compare the word of God to what we see in creation. We don't put creation, the revelation of creation, God revealing himself in creation over his word. Uh, we put what he's, how he's revealed himself in his word up against creation. We make that um, fit. What about the sufficiency of special revelation? Article 7. We believe that these holy scriptures fully contain the will of God and that whatsoever man ought to believe unto salvation is sufficiently taught therein. So unto salvation is the important marker here. For since the whole manner of worship which God requires of us is written in them at large, it's unlawful for anyone, though an apostle, to teach otherwise, and that we are now taught in the Holy Scriptures, nay, though it were an angel from heaven, as the Apostle Paul says. For since it is forbidden to add unto or take away anything from the word of God, it does thereby evidently appear that the doctrine thereof is most perfect, perfect and complete. in all respects. Second Timothy chapter 3, not just verse 16, which says the Scripture is breathed out by God. And remember, when Paul is writing this to Timothy, he's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. He says, starting in verse 14, "...but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy, infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise..." Unto salvation. The scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then it goes on all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, training, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. For every good work. This is the one infallible, without error, rule that we have, that God has given us. We reject with all our hearts whatsoever does not agree with this infallible rule. Which the apostles have taught us, saying, Prove the spirits whether they are of God. Likewise, if any cometh unto you and bringeth not this teaching, receive him not into your house. The sufficiency of special revelation, the sufficiency of God's word, pertains to that which we need to know in order to have salvation in Jesus Christ, and that which we need to know in order to live a life that is pleasing to God. The sufficiency of scripture does not pertain to what is the full digits of pi 3.14 it does not pre- sufficiency of scripture does not pertain to uh, what is the circumference of a circle it does not pertain to all mathematical truths it does not pertain to all sciences every detail it does not have in it every single thing of knowledge that we need to know about everything <laughs> The sufficiency of Scripture is not saying that the Bible is Google. It's saying it's sufficient unto salvation and unto living a life that is pleasing to God, what God requires of us, how we are saved and what God requires of us. That is what the Scriptures are saying. Paul said to Timothy, the Scriptures which you've had, which he was saying were the Old Testament Scriptures, are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, and that all the Scripture that's God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God, or the woman of God, or the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. We have in the Word of God everything that we need to know in order to be saved and in order to live for God. To worship God. God has revealed himself in his creation and in his word. And so, oh I didn't make this three. When somebody comes up to you and they ask you the question, how do you know what you know? You tell them, the Bible tells me so. The Bible is my ultimate authority. The Bible is the revelation of God given to me. What the Bibles teach is the way that I look at the world that I live in and seek to understand it. The Bible is the revelation God has given to me, to us, to the church, preserved it, kept it, so that we could have here before us the very words of God and that the Holy Spirit working within us would bring us to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ, that He, the Son of God, would come down, be born of a virgin, live and die and be resurrected to save His people. The Bible is the word of God because God tells us it is in the Bible, maybe circular reasoning. But because the Bible is an ultimate authority, it's not a fallacious circle. It's not a vicious circle. And anybody else who tries to tell you that does not understand the shaky ground that they are living on. They try to make knowledge claims without having any basis for knowledge. They say things like, well, this is my truth. It doesn't have to be your truth. It's a contradiction. Well, they say things like, well, I I don't know anything to be true. I, I can't know anything for certain. And you ask them, well, do you know that for certain? And they'll say, yeah. Well, how can you know that for certain if you don't know anything for certain? But we know what we know because God has revealed himself to us in his word. With so many uncertainties in this world, with so many things going wrong with the way that we are living and the direction that our country is going in and all the things that we are dealing with, we need something that we can know. Does that mean that everything in God's word is, is easy to understand? Well, of course not. Peter said in his own letters, some things that Paul writes are difficult to understand, But what we have here in God's word is a trustworthy revelation of who he is, how he saved us, and how he's called us to live. And that's why when you wake up in the morning, before you open up your newspaper or turn on the news that you don't know is is true or not, I urge you to open up the scriptures and read what you know to be true. What you know for certain has happened. And what you know for certain is coming. God has not left us without knowledge. God has not left us without knowing who He is. How we can come to know Him. Be saved from our sins. Trust in Him. And have a future with Him. And that's why... In the days to come, I'm not going to be ashamed to say the Bible is the word of God because God tells us, God tells me it is in the Bible. I'm not going to be ashamed to say, "Well, how do you know what you know? Because that's what the Bible says. Because I know it's a firm foundation that we can stand on. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that it's through your word, accompanied by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would come to trust even more that it's perfect and complete in all respects, that it is the one infallible rule that we have, that we, Lord, can know that it is authoritative because the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that they are from you and also because they carry the evidence Thereof in themselves. And we pray, Lord, that we would have a desire to reach those who through creation know that you are, that you exist, and you are leaving them without excuse so we can bring them the Word of God, which could bring them to salvation in Jesus Christ, your Son. Thank you for revealing yourself in creation and your Word. Thank you for giving us a revelation that we can trust. That we can know who you are, how you saved us, how you call us to live, and what you've promised us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.